Hey bounty hunters, you're listening to That Slayer Show. I'm Madeline Kane. And I'm Kate Schroeder. This is season two, episode nine. What's my line? Part one. Through the theme of future. Kate, what's in our future this episode? Well, first we'll be doing a speedy one minute recap of what happened in the episode. And then we'll discuss where we saw our theme of future in the episode. We'll go into things we liked about the episode and didn't like, and then we'll wrap up with a segment where we make up a backstory for one of the more peripheral characters or events in the episode. And this week we're going to be talking about Dalton, the brainy vampire who's uncoding the code. (laughs) Exactly. Uncoding the code. And y'all, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. We have about 450 downloads so far, which is very exciting, but only six people have reviewed this podcast on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to this, please pause the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, make it five stars, no biggie, and then press play and we'll continue on this lovely Buffy journey together. Madeline, are you ready for the one-minute recap? I'm so ready to demolish this recap. Kita, shall I count you in? Great. All right. Three, two, one, recap. Okay, so Spike is looking for a cure to Drizilla's illness. It's a career week at school, and Buffy is feeling sad that she doesn't have a career like her friends do in front of her because she's a slayer. Right, and then later that night, she's a vampire watching, and she catches two vampires robbing a grave, and one gets away. And it turns out that the person who robbed the grave was stealing a key to the Duloc key to unlock the code that gets Drusilla's health back. Right. And then Angel's in her house and she and Angel plan a date for Tuesday. And they go ice skating, but also Spike at the same time summons the Order of Traka. Right. And they're going to, there are three assassins that are going to stop at nothing to kill Buffy and they could be anybody. Right. And one comes and attacks Angel and Buffy when they're on their date and Buffy kills the guy with the ice, her ice skate. Right. And then she gets really spooked by Giles and Angel because they're like, Buffy, this is really dangerous. You need to hide. Right. And then she goes to Angel's house. Um, meanwhile, Angel goes to Willie's, like this a demon bar to try to get information. Right. And then a new person comes and might be one of the things. And then she like locks Buffy in a cage. I mean, Angel. Tender Ben Parsler. That was so strong until I tried to remember the name of Tawada. Taraka. Taraka. Right. Um, a person who didn't get proper emphasis was Kendra, who has self has identified herself as a vampire slayer. Which is crazy because up until now everyone's been like, there's only one vampire slayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, if you've seen the show, you know why Kendra exists. But we'll K- Kate hasn't seen the show yet, so we'll leave that rock unturned. <laughs> um, anywho she tries to kill angel we didn't mention we did did we mention that well i was trying really hard to mention that <laughs> but did he get out have we seen that yet oh my god the sun is coming up and we don't know if angels made it out yet we so don't hopefully know. she and buffy stop fighting real soon so buffy can go save angel and hopefully have a really sweet moment of reunion i hope so too kata angel could die oh my god I bet he won't. (laughs) Madeline, where did you see our theme of future in this episode? Well, of course, I saw the theme of future in regards to Buffy and her thinking about her future as the Slayer. 
there's this air of excitement in the school because everyone is taking this test that will tell them what career is best for them. You know, Cordelia gets like personal shopper. Xander's a little bummed because he gets prison guard and he doesn't think that's a good fit for him. Willow, meanwhile, is recruited um, by these <laughs> fancy people in suits to do like oh we didn't mention that in the recap oh my god right she and oz have been recruited by some wealthy tech company to do special tech things anyway so there's this excitement that is permeating the school this episode and buffy is clearly left out of this so for her she has this conversation with giles where she refers to the slayage calling as a gig and Giles is like it's more of a sacred duty actually anyway it just I'm really getting that Buffy is feeling really trapped in this path I'm I'm meandering a little bit but really when I was thinking about future I was thinking about how so many of us when we're young like you and I (laughs) and we're kind of thinking about our futures and future careers A lot of us really want to have a calling. Like we want to have something that's meaningful that will help us make a big impact in other people's lives. And Buffy has that, but she didn't choose it. Mm -hmm. And so it's like all of those benefits are kind of moot. And she's in the opposite position as so many people. Anyway, that's, yeah, I'll stop talking now. But (laughs) no, I like that because in a way she has a future that she can think about, but she doesn't have a future where she can imagine lots of different exciting possibilities for herself. And I think there was an interesting moment in the episode where Willow really invites Buffy to do that, even though Buffy really does have sort of a set in stone type of future as the Slayer. But what I think was so meaningful about Willow saying, oh, haven't you ever wondered about it? Is that I think it's so important for us to like imagine and build in our minds a future that we would want like being realistic but also imagining how could things be better or how could they be best and I wonder if you know if Buffy maybe is able to accept that invitation from Willow would that maybe make room later in life for her to maybe have a slightly different future than the one that she assumes she has like maybe you know by dreaming about a little bit more now and imagining how it could be later she'd be able to find roads to make it happen I don't know that's what I was thinking about yeah I really like that and it also makes me think back to season one finale prophecy girl where she gets the prophecy that she's gonna die but obviously she I mean she does die but she still subverts the prophecy in a way and in that way we see that yes in the Buffyverse fate does exist prophecies exist callings exist but maybe they're not as set in stone as you might think so I think you might be right like if she was able to kind of get out of this mindset that it's she's either the slayer or she's dead like that's how she's seeing it right now and maybe there is space for her to have a life that's not totally one of those two things completely right and as we're thinking about the future I mean it's just as you said like the future hasn't happened yet and so there is there is space to change the future even though and I and I'm like wondering does that apply to in this world where like prophecies are a thing and I think it does still I think it does too because 
when Buffy finds out that these assassins are after her, she's she's absolutely reeling, right? Because anyone around her could be this assassin. And I wonder if even though maybe her idea of what her future could be like wasn't very broad at the time, the idea of a much more limited future in which everyone was a possible enemy was so terrible that it was almost debilitating, right? She's just wandering around and she's so in danger because she's so out of it. I don't know. I just saw that sort of as her being really crushed by the thought of a non-future. You know, I think it was just really jarring because never have both Giles and Angel been so sure she can't handle something. Like she faced the master. I mean, obviously they didn't want her to do that alone, but they were never like, you can't do it. They always had faith in her. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was jarring to see them be so scared for her. I don't think she's normally someone who feels scared for her safety. You know, she feels... I mean, in a way, she's scared for her safety all the time, but there's also the sense that she she has these special skills that can help her meet the challenges that come with being the Slayer. So I guess I just saw this as her maybe coming to terms with like, oh, I can't handle everything. And even though I'm the Slayer, I have this identity or like, I have this calling. She's, she's bound by all these things. And yet it's not enough. Like she she still doesn't have enough to face these people according to Giles and Angel two people who she trusts a lot yep any other moments that you noticed the theme of future in well yeah so I mean I just have a little more to say on the topic that we were just talking about oh sure so like the one that you said you didn't have anything more to say on or the one before that well no because I didn't have anything more to say on that specific scene sure but like on the right sure in general like that you know, career week and Buffy's future and whatnot. I think of destiny as being like something that people believe in because it's comforting and that it implies some sense of control over things that to me seem like inherently chaotic and like uncontrollable. And so in a way it's, it's turning that idea inside out that Buffy, her future is so known, but that's the source of frustration and hopelessness for her is the known which is the exact opposite I feel like for so many people and how usually when characters have powers or like destinies part of the destiny is like that they were a good choice to fulfill that destiny which is true for Buffy but like right we're seeing her grapple with her own free will in a way (laughs) you know like her her agency and like choice for her future and I think it's so important that people have agency when looking at toward their own future and she like doesn't have any of that also it's okay this is my last sure. point on this topic <laughs> and then I will be done talking for a second this job that she has to do is thankless which is uh, true for a lot of jobs but it's not only thankless but she's also not even getting paid like the typical structure for employment like doesn't apply to her so she's just expected to do this like out of the goodwill of her heart and it feels a little exploitative like it's like oh hmm, like a like a teenage girl it's hard to know when to advocate for yourself and when to say like oh I should be getting paid for this like my my 
skills have value and like they should be getting something in return anyway she's super young and so it's when you're that young it's hard to know when your skills mm-hmm. like what value they have okay i'm i'm gonna stop talking now oh no, that was anyway, a great point yes you tell me future so i was notice noticing the theme of future in the interactions between spike and drusilla because it just feels like everything spike is doing is so that they can have a future together before drusilla gets too ill or whatever is coming to her in her weakened state she seems to be even paler and she's ha- she has lots of bruises on her arms so she's clearly very very fragile and yet it feels like spike is really striving so that they can have a future together just another connection with drusilla and this idea of future is for the first time she said something like oh i need to go change emily like change her diaper right and so for the first time i thought about she has all of these dolls and maybe Drusilla's also sort of mourning her stolen future. Maybe she really wanted to have kids. Maybe that was something that was taken from her when Angel drove her insane and made her into a vampire. It was the first time I'd sort of thought about, oh, what were her other options? Yes, I love that. That is so beautiful. I'd never given much thought to Drusilla's dolls, but you know, I think that's like a really insightful point Kata what did you like in this episode okay I was really thrilled by every moment Oz was on screen first of all Willow still doesn't she knows he exists now but his face when he looks over and sees Willow and he's just in awe like open awe and all he can do is say canapé it was so sweet. He was just like, yes, here she is. And then later, you know, Buffy sort of grabs him by the collar or by the throat. I can't remember because she's just super paranoid. And when she walks away, he goes, that is a tense person. <laughs> right? Like not even judgmental. He's not going to like tell his friends that Buffy's crazy. He was like, gosh, she's tense. Yeah. <laughs> like he was, that was just like a, a little like comma in his day. <laughs> right. It was so nonchalant. <laughs> like he just got like literally assaulted. <laughs> <laughs> and it's in contrast to, you know, Cordelia in the first episode when Buffy does the same thing to her. Right. There was that mirroring. Right. And, and Cordelia, of course, was like, I'm going to call, like, hold on while I call everyone I've ever met. Yeah, what's your childhood trauma? trauma. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was that was a little bright spot in the episode for me. What did you enjoy? I liked an interaction between Angel and Buffy. Although I want to know how you feel about it because I'm like not even a hundred percent sure how I how I stand on it. So when Buffy comes home and Angel is in her bedroom, like hugging Mister Gordo, her pig, cute. Anyway, she's kind of snippy with him, and then. She goes like, oh, I'm kind of stressed out. And then he was like, oh, career week. And she's like, how did you know? And he was like, I lurk. <laughs> <laughs> sure. I I thought that was kind of cute. It no, didn't no, bother no. me too much. No, it was a like. I thought it was. F- oh, yeah. Yeah. Great, I didn't great, great, it great. made it sound like a dislike. But 
<laughs> I I like the acknowledgement of Angel's like quirkiness because it feels more quirky than creepy when he's like, right. I lurk. <laughs> it's kind of cute. Right. And in the same breath, you know, she was like, oh, I just want to be a normal kid with you or something. And then he's like, I'll never be a kid. And she's like, OK, then I'll be a kid and and her cradle robbing creature of the night boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> So they're never like addressing the age gap head on, but they do poke at it. And I'm I'm glad it doesn't go unsaid. Yeah. And absolutely. and they've there have been a few instances at this point where they kind of highlight the age gap. And I'm it's just nice that it's not totally like being brushed under the rug. Absolutely. Yeah, I also just sort of liked her overall cool, calm and collectedness when she like walks well. When she climbs in through her window and this beautiful man that she's super into is just hanging out in her bedroom. Like, a little creepy shirt. Should he ask permission? Yeah. But, like, is he there and is he probably stoked? I mean, yeah. But she's just like, oh, it's you. Totally. Madeline, was there anything you disliked in this episode? Yes. I didn't like that we didn't get to see Angel ice skate. <gasps> I feel robbed. What a crime. <laughs> so they were, they had a date to go ice skating and then the freaking order of taraka guy shows up before angel even puts on his skates so that was disappointing kj you dislikes hit me okay so i thought it was really interesting sort of this look we got into i don't know maybe 1997 you know the first thing i noticed was xander he gets the career path of prison guard and he says, I will be gainfully employed in the growing field of corrections, which is really interesting because this is a comment from 1997 about mass incarceration, right? So it's interesting to get that comment. And then later, of course, Buffy gets career designation, law enforcement, and then even Giles suggests the law enforcement field for her, right? And when you think about it, it makes a lot of sense and it probably would work really well with her slayage. And I guess what made me uncomfortable is the more, you know, I've been looking into abolition, prison abolition and uh, defund the police type movements, you know, you get into theories that are really looking at how we as people internalize the same sort of violence that the state practices. And it made me wonder, is slaying in a way part of this system where the only solution is punishment right the only solution is killing all the vampires and so it was just interesting to see those parallels drawn and see for the first time slaying maybe as a sort of retributive uh protection system you know in a world where vampires are all over the place and they haven't found out a better system other than to just have to kill them yeah definitely and to your point Buffy made a comment. I think this is the second time she's made a comment like this. So as the brainy vamp is leaving the mausoleum where he just robbed the Dulac's grave to get the key to the code, um, she says this quippy line and she goes, does RIP have no sanctity to you people? And then she goes, oh, right. I forgot. You're not a people. So we know that she's in love with a vampire and I'm just like not loving like the you people and like her it's like she knows that vampires there is a spectrum of evilness in vampires like we see that with Angel right but she's never 
giving any other vampires the opportunity to show her that they may not they might not be as evil on this spectrum of evil it feels very similar to like stereotyping like you see someone who looks different from you and she's in this position of power then then she gets to like enact the justice that she sees most fit to the situation and like use her best judgment which is like going to be skewed right by the nature of her position of power gosh kind of like a law enforcement yeah officer. like I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah like a little bit <laughs> yeah so like Buffy you know you I want to see her as this guardian of the people she's kind of rising to this job that she has to do in place of the law enforcement that is totally ineffective at dealing with the issues that are relevant to Sunnydale like vampires and demons and stuff but it feels kind of scarily similar to some like really radical right-wing ideologies that kind of want to take justice sometimes into their own hands it is i mean it is vigilanteism it is yeah which like in my head and this could just be because i watch too many superhero things has like kind of a cool bring to it it's like oh Oh, vigilante justice right but in reality there's a lot of opportunity for racism would this new framework of sort of looking at slayage and vampire human relationships opens up is in what ways are the solutions that they have which is only violence really failing them like how many people still die from vampires all the time you know how much bad stuff is still happening all the time so maybe you know this solution that they have isn't the best solution and you know it's old there's been there've been slayers for forever so i really think it opens up this <laughs> this space to ask how is this not serving us so our backstory this week is for the brainy vamp dalton who's hanging out with spike and drusilla and helping them to crack this book that they have to get Drusilla better. So Madeline, what's up with Dalton? Where is he from? Why is he here if if you so choose? What's up? So Dalton, this brainy vamp, is none other than John Dalton, the chemist who established atomic theory. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> well, he established, he, he really laid the groundwork for modern atomic theory by establishing the partial pressures law and the law of multiple proportions. Basically, stuff about gases and elements and crazy shit way before his time. And... While he was born in England, you may notice the lack of an English accent. That's simply because he assimilated very well into American and modern culture. He was turned into a vamp by Spike back in England and has kind of followed Spike around. Like, he, uh, Spike has, like, kind of kept him on a tight leash, making sure. him do the, like, being the brains of the operations, doing stuff like this. He's not, he doesn't work with codes. Like, that's not what his background is in. Um, you know, just in this episode, he's like decoding these, this code. <laughs> but he's smart enough to like muddle his way through long enough to stay alive. Sure, that's very compelling. Yes, and you, Dalton, let's hear it. Okay, so Dalton Bridgewater <laughs> was a student in the same graduating class as Giles and Ethan Rain at Oxford. 
And like them, he was, you know, interested in the occult. But unlike them, he was super not cool. And as he's, you know, seeing that they're doing all of these uh, conjurings and cool things, he was like, I'm going to get myself another worldly experience. And so he found out how to meet with a vampire and he's trying to just get a, a strong friend, but he accidentally became a vampire instead. Namely, that vampire turned him into a vampire. And he's just been doing lots of cataloging and academic work by night ever since. He moved to America, um, you know, uh, not too long ago, but he's really been working on his, his American accent. And he, uh, Spike actually found him on Craigslist. He had offered his services in the occult and... Spike was just really looking for someone who knew what to do. So he went on Craigslist and there was Dalton. <laughs> yep. Vampire linguist wanted. <laughs> exactly. Yep. I love this vampire Craigslist. I want access. All right. Well, go check out our Instagram on Wednesday and vote for which one you liked the best. Thank you so much for listening to That Slayer Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, share with your family, put it on your Instagram story, put it in your Tinder bio as your favorite song. Heck. <laughs> and uh, like us on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, if you feel so inclined, email us, thatslayershow at gmail.com. And please do leave us a review. We love to see them. We haven't seen many, so we're excited to see more. <laughs> Thank you so much to Holly Colvin for the very cool cover art. And this podcast was inspired by Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We love you. We'll be back next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.